Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. How are you all today? Uh, for those who were with us uh, earlier for SGC, I hope you all managed to catch a, a toilet break, get some water. Uh, for those who just joined us, uh, very good afternoon. And for those who are totally new to the series, uh, this is part of the series on the Diamond Sutra. We have gone for a couple of uh, years now, yeah, one or two years, and uh, very grateful to uh, Bhante Dhamma Ratana and the Buddhist Library uh, for letting us use the premise uh, back before the circuit breaker. Uh, looking forward to be back in the Buddhist Library after that. So the, the uh, Bhante very graciously <coughs> let us use the premise without uh, without any conditions um, so it's because of that that we got started and actually have the opportunity to uh, have this learning together all these years <coughs> so uh, where are we? let me just load up the Dhamma Sutra text mm. so we are huh Okay, so last week was 26, uh, 26th of April, yes, <coughs> alright, so here we are, let me just zoom in a bit, okay, so hope everybody is keeping well, uh, I see some familiar names, Good, good. Alright, so let's get started. Let me just switch over to the whiteboard and then we can continue with our class. Mm. Yes. So. The. Uh, so previously we occasionally have this problem with the surface. Uh, so recently got this uh, uh, graphics tablet, it's a digitizer board, yeah, it's just a piece of plastic and uh, you can draw on it. So this is like batteryless, you just plug into USB, get detected and you can just write and the pen has no battery as well. So this is good, yeah, uh, simple setup. Yeah. Uh, but I'm still getting used to the scaling because the size is not um, it's, it's different writing with this because you don't it's not a one-to-one -one. Uh, so my handwriting already was horrendous with this is <laughs> even worse now so without further ado uh, oh May go ask a question from last week regarding Qi Gong Chuan. Okay, let me just address. Uh, let's look at that first. 
Being enlightened, why did Qigong indulge in seemingly unwholesome deeds? Yeah, one paragraph reads, 圣人也会表现出软污的行为我们看上去不清净但是圣人的心理还是清净的他是用清净心做事所以没有过失所以 yeah. Mago says, I don't get this No doubt those deeds were done by, with an untainted mind But why did the enlightened person not upholding perfection in his actions? Uh, that's a very good question and you must ask those who are like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sometimes I, I also wonder. Yeah, you have to ask Ji Gong himself. Uh. Uh, I don't know why he did that. But I think in his Chuan there's mentioned about some of the perhaps some of the reasoning. Um in some of the traditions, it is said that the enlightened ones, uh, when they exhibit such behaviors, it is it is to serve certain purpose of teaching. Um, granted, we need to uh, we, we need to look at those those uh, verses or those accounts uh, in its context to know okay ultimately what was the teaching. Because otherwise, by the action itself, the point about that verse is that by the action itself, it seems like it's a problem. Like, hey, you're doing something stupid. Uh, but there's usually some context uh, surrounding it. Um, but honestly, to tell you the truth, uh, whenever I see such verses, I, I feel a bit uneasy myself. Yeah, because this opens up a, a, a potential loophole uh, for abuse. Yeah, because then anyone can say that they are enlightened and they can do stupid things and get away with it. And justify that, oh, you are not enlightened, so you all don't know. Uh, I don't think that's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I personally would, uh, would like to think that Enlightened beings don't just happy happy go around doing uh, the tainted acts. Uh. Yeah. Uh, and if we engage and indulge in uh, wrongdoing, we succumb to our defilements, to our desires, to our hate, hatred, succumb to delusion. Well, delusion, in a way, you cannot succumb to it because you are deluded, so you wouldn't know you are deluded. So, while on one hand you, are, you succumb to delusion but you are not consciously yeah. but in any case um, it requires a lot of uh, the Buddhist path requires a lot of clarity and honesty with ourselves yeah. so uh, I, I don't know about you guys I, I'm, I'm with uh, May here uh, when, when I see verses like this and it's not just in Qigong Zhuan, in many other traditions, there are some of these examples. And I don't feel all that comfortable with it. Yeah. So for, for those of us who are you know, on our path of cultivation, it's important to be honest with ourselves. That if we were to make a mistake, we were to, to succumb to our defilements, desire, hatred and so on, 
to not use that as an excuse but to recognize that yeah I kind of you know yeah th- what I did was uh, what we did was uh, impure that is not right uh, counter example of such cases is in the Buddha's time there were arahants uh, actually who there was this case of an arahant who uh, because they would go on Armstrong right so this, this is an incident that happened in the Buddha's time so the arahant actually go on Armstrong yeah, like anybody else <clears throat> so there was this this particular house where there's this lady uh, if I don't recall wrongly it's a cut uh, perhaps a courtesan yeah and uh, after after some time she she kind of get get infatuated attracted to him so then um, besides offering food then she offered him to stay f- for the night yeah and because monks in those days they don't have a monastery so to speak so they would stay anywhere they would stay under the you know the usual idea is they sit under the foot of the tree but there are many other places that uh, is described in the sutras in the buddha's time where they would uh, stay over at a cave uh, in the open field in the channel ground including uh, sometimes lay people they build a new town hall or they build a new premise and they will invite the buddha and the monks or, or that or his disciples to recite over for a night yeah, be the first to use the place yeah uh, to gain merit so um, in that context then it is not uh, uncommon for monks to accept residency uh, for, uh, offered by people uh, of course fast forward to today then uh, is less common yeah but still practice in some traditions then but the duration have changed also yeah so what happened is that the, the lay uh, female disciple offered him to stay for the night and he did um, but the trouble is the female lay disciple offered with other intents not just to offer the, the place to stay because then later that night she offered herself as well and the, the arahan declined of course because arahan is has gone beyond the worldly carnal designs so uh, she she was uh, rejected she was snubbed and she was quite upset and she, she was like how can you accept my offer to stay over if you if you don't want to accept me you know so but Aharon is like you know he, he, he just took it as an offer took it at face value that he she offered to to him to stay over for the night well nothing nothing more more than that so uh, he left the next day or he left after that then this lady got upset you know complained you know went around telling everybody about it and this spread to the buddha and then the buddha called him over and asked him whether that's a candidate and he admitted he said yeah that's that's what happened and uh, then the buddha declared that well he 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 has uh, he's an arahant so he couldn't have done it uh, out of lust 
but at the same time the buddha still set down a rule that (uh) or still reminded him that while he is beyond temptation others may not be so out of compassion you know to refrain from doing that so that he don't become a precedence yeah, so this is very, very interesting yeah that if we look at how it was in the buddha's time the buddha uh, set down rules uh, because of this that even if you are enlightened and you you wouldn't actually go and do something stupid you don't put yourself in a compromised position yeah and such that oh because you're enlightened so you can do it then others may be tempted to do it or others may unwittingly put themselves in a compromised uh, state where they are tempted and then they may succumb yeah and the difference is arahants enlightened ones once they are instructed by the buddha they don't do it again they don't say that the first time they didn't know second time still don't know third time still don't know no once they are informed they don't do it again yeah so um that's that's what i know uh, that's what i would ascribe to as to uh, I don't know him personally <laughs> and well for that matter today none of us know him personally all we have is the writings about him yeah and unfortunately he's not here to to defend himself or to explain himself so we can only uh, go further to look at what has been written about him and uh, perhaps if you all like to you all can take a look at the Qigong Zhuan and uh, maybe we can further this discussion uh, but we, uh, apart from that as far as I'm concerned uh, this is not uh, this is not something uh, of a precedence for us to to look at and say oh then it's okay no it's not okay oh. uh, the enlightened ones should they engage in that being enlightened they know better the the subtleties of karma and so on yeah uh, but we while we are cultivating better stick to the to the guidelines uh, that the buddha has uh, drawn up for us mm, so besides that um, okay yes so that's from last week uh, May, I hope that clarifies for you. I hope it's not too disturbing for you. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Alright, so let's continue with the text. Rulai Wu Suo Suo, so we stop here. Fu Yong Zong Zong the Yu Yan Biao Da Fu Fa Zong Zong the Dao Li, those Fang Bian An Li, Mayo Na Hui Su. Yeah. Uh, 但是方便安利也有作用。若能這樣學習,慢慢就能斷煩惱,見真理,能轉翻成聖。所以佛這麼說。So yeah. so last week we uh, stopped here and it was about how uh, the the Buddha gave teachings but the teachings are through words and concepts. Yeah, the languages, uh, phrases and so on but ultimate reality is beyond words so then how do you reconcile the two? Yeah. so in the text we have gone through so far it is that 
The Buddha skillfully makes use of words to describe that which is beyond words. So, uh, when we learn Dharma, we must know that the words itself um, is not is not totally the same. Yeah, it's not exactly the same as the ultimate reality. It merely points towards the ultimate reality. So, not to get caught up with the words. In other words, <laughs> yeah. Also here, So the Buddha used all kinds of words to express all the various uh, uh, teachings, uh, various words to express various teachings and principles, and they are all those uh, So they are they are merely uh, methodically methodically uh, established. Yeah, uh, that means. It is artificially labeled, yeah, as such. But it is not as though the the, the truth itself has words. This uh, this means that, yeah. Sometimes, uh, in some tradition, when they say then they take it literally that the Buddha never say anything, that he was actually silent, yeah. But is that the whatever he said um, is but a description pointing to the truth yeah it's not that there's some as uh, tangible permanent essence to the words oh. so so although it is skillfully or is uh, methodically established but still it has function it has function. Mm. So, 若能这样学习, if we can learn in this way, then what happened? Yeah, so, although it's, it's just words, it's not real. Yeah, not real as in not the ultimate reality, nor is it substantial, uh, inherent, and so on. But it has function. What is the function? If you learn accordingly, slowly, gradually, you would, you would eradicate defilements and you would see. Uh, the truth then you can transform yourself transform from unenlightened worldling to enlightened one so you follow so and that is why the Buddha uh, gave the teachings uh, let me just okay yeah, so if we were to use this principle, this teaching to observe, yeah, then we see that it, in fact it's true. There is the the effect, yeah, there is the function. Yeah. But not to be attached to the words as being real. We must enter and penetrate into how they are all uh, illusory, insubstantial, and false. Yeah. Yeah. The Buddha uses uh, words, language, characters to express all phenomena. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this part here. Then, 
So there's that which can express and that which is expressed. Those yeah, so can express yeah, versus uh, that which is expressed. Okay, yeah, they are all what? So they are all empty, yeah, empty in nature. So uh, empty of inherentness, insubstantial, impermanent, conditional. Yeah, so this is the first uh, way of looking at it. Yeah, looking at the four wushoshu, rulai wushoshu. So the second. So second angle is all phenomena is empty in nature. Yeah. And uh, within emptiness, uh, there's no substantial words that you can find. Yeah. So the earlier meaning should be should be more inclined towards that words, yeah. Uh, express certain meaning yeah, but words itself is insubstantial here it is that words cannot words is not inherent yeah that you cannot find any inherent words within emptiness also slightly different angle uh, from what I see the first angle is more inclined towards the Yogacara angle yeah that <coughs> that words and concepts are insubstantial. It expresses what is outside but is insubstantial. Yeah, so Yogacara school, there is really something outside yeah, that is uh, manifested through the Alaya consciousness but we only perceive the words that describe what is outside. So that itself is, in, in a way we can say this is just our perception. Yeah? concepts and perception in our mind so it's insubstantial so the second one is more in the Maranika angle yeah, that all phenomena is not inherent yeah, empty of self-nature so within emptiness itself you cannot find any substantial words or concepts in fact you cannot find anything that has substantiality yeah, because everything is empty of uh, self-nature so, so yeah. So, hence it is also can be said that nothing. Uh, when we say wushoshu, literally means nothing was said. Yeah. So sometimes in the Zen tradition, they, they like to make such statements uh, that the Buddha never see anything. Yeah. And it's, it's it sounds very provocative. Yeah, very provocative. That clearly the Buddha gave teachings for 45 years. Then suddenly the Zen master will tell you, Buddha didn't say anything. Yeah. So this approach um, at face value seems very contradictory, very provocative, very um, almost annoying. It's like <laughs> nonsense, you know. Yeah. Uh, but the, the approach itself is to hammer head on, face on uh, our our attachment and grasping to words yeah 
we have a tendency to grasp onto any concepts whatsoever, not just words. Words, concepts, anything we can perceive, we just the moment we perceive it, we we think it's real, it's substantial, it's existing, it's permanent. Yeah. So such statements, not just about what the Buddha said, but everything. Yeah, Zen masters tend to use this approach. Yeah, is to create a shock. Yeah, to our worldview. Oh. Uh, but as we learn this, then we see that oh, Wu Shuo Shuo, this is what it means. Yeah, that there's nothing substantial, inherent in nature that is actually that actually exists that is being described. Oh. So this Wu Shuo Shuo. So uh, may I say yes, thank you, welcome. Hope that clarifies. Oh. Uh, feel free to just. Uh, put in the comments if you uh, if you have any questions about uh, any parts all right uh, in in the Buddhist tradition we we don't say that you you simply have to just agree with the party line uh, and just bulldoze your way through yeah no uh, but rather we we explore what 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 seem to make sense or not make sense okay. so continue from here 这样子, 也一样能够熄灭我们的虚妄分别。So yeah, in this way, we can actually um, subdue uh, and eradicate our false discrimination, yeah, deluded discrimination, shiwang分别, yeah, the, the, the insubstantial false discrimination. So this term itself is very common in the in the Yogacara tradition as well yeah that we have discrimination yeah? and many times when we learn uh, Buddha Dharma we tend to think discrimination is bad yeah? and the reason is because our discrimination tend to be what deluded tend to be false tend to be uh, with the the moment we discriminate is discriminating that it is substantial it is real that is independently existing and that's why in, the, in various traditions there's always this notion that our thinking our discrimination is not a good thing oh. uh, but it comes with that background so and if you were to practice in this way contemplate in this way then you can eradicate all defilements also yeah, cause our mind to become settled at ease at peace and without discrimination yeah and what attain to the enlightened state uh, but this Bie, mm, so this Bie here there's a there's a bit of question mark uh, yeah to what extent is it Bie? so I often like to ask the question right so does it mean that um, hmm, lines. so when we say enlightened ones has no discrimination does it mean that they are not able to distinguish things yeah, of course they can it's that while they are able to distinguish the differences they, are, they don't see the the differences as substantial, inherent, and permanent. We do. 
we see things as very tangible and permanent like the air that we breathe we see air as air me as me but one moment is air the next moment we breathe in it got broken down absorbed is we yeah but we don't when we sit down and think about it use chemistry to understand ah yeah we agree but just a split second air is air me is me yeah we see this as very separate tangible entities yeah uh, water as water separate entity me is me but then when we drink water one moment water the next moment this body yeah so it's not that enlightened ones cannot distinguish all these different things in fact because they are not attached to any particular one they can distinguish even clearer it's just that they after distinguishing uh, that wisdom also see that these differences is conditional is insubstantial yeah and hence woven beer yeah meaning that no grasping onto the discrimination oh. how does this uh, understanding two concepts help us these two sound similar uh, which two concepts oh let's finish up first then we see how uh. <clears throat> actually up to this point uh, how does it help us well consider that this is not how we usually are so how are we usually we, we usually hold on to words and concepts as being very real and substantial so um, there's, there's a few layers to it one layer is literally the words that people say the other one is uh, referring to the concepts that you open your eyes you see things perception it forms a concept in your mind yeah the idea in your mind yeah they call it ideation so all this the labeling process is the subtler level but very deep as well so um, if you look at the first level which is literally someone say uh, hello good morning yeah I mean that's very neutral but if someone say uh, what kind of stupid explanation is that what kind of stupid question is that then oh we, maybe we immediately get affected uh. <laughs> we why because we are so used to grasping onto it as being very, very real yeah think about how how many hours how many days how many how many how much of human life is spent debating overwards and sometimes when the things cannot be resolved lead to physical conflict from words which is insubstantial to actual to physical conflict yeah so of course most of us we are not kings and you know leaders of countries so uh, it will take quite a lot for us to trigger that yeah but don't be surprised huh? some wars start with commoners having some arguments and then escalate yeah. in fact there's a sutra on that yeah, so, but to bring it um, down to our, our back to our day-to-day -day life yeah. uh, 
one of the concept here is that words are insubstantial. Yeah. So ask yourself how how affected we are with uh, people's words. Now there's a difference between um, taking heed of people's advice or criticism, constructive criticism, versus being emotionally charged towards it. Yeah. And in fact, when we are emotionally charged, then we cannot benefit from people's criticism. Oh, so to, to me, that is a very direct uh, angle that we can use it to help ourselves. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, I, I want you to spend more time to go and think for yourself. Huh? Uh, later, we can revisit this. Okay, uh, But um, I sometimes feel that um, if we have Dhamma classes and Sifu spoon feed too much, uh, you may not benefit as well. Yeah, because you end up not thinking for yourself how it, it should be used. Yeah, Because trouble is, Sifu can give you all the application, tell you how it's, it should be applied. But because it didn't come from you, or it, it didn't, you are, if you are not part of the process of examination, then you will just be looking at my description of the application. And looking at the, the description of, a, of an application itself doesn't do anything for you. It can inspire you perhaps, but until you try it out, it doesn't do anything. In fact, it can actually have the reverse effect. It can cause you to have more questions that is not helpful. Yeah, because without trying, then you can always speculate and say, hey, but how about this, how about that, like this, like that. And it becomes more of an impediment to your progress than progr progress itself. Oh. So Li Hui, um, I've given you one, one example, yeah? uh, but I want you to um, spend some time to think about it. Yeah? So it's just like you learn mathematics, right? Then first, make sure you understand the principle. Okay, I'm, because I'm not sure whether you truly appreciate the principle yet. Yeah. Uh, like in, in class, when you learn the, the maths, if halfway through learning, then you start asking the teacher, so how, how do we use in, in, in our real life? How do we use? Well, the teacher can quite certainly show you how, how algebra can help you, how quadratic equation can help you. But, uh, it doesn't mean you know the concept already, number one. Number two, without knowing the concept, the explanation uh, the explanation itself will not help you to appreciate how it's actually used. Well, uh, so try first and then let me know. Okay, let me know. Uh, I just received a, a message separately that one of the students keep getting disconnected. Yeah. Well, um, if you are watching it, if your 3G, 4G line uh, and on the move, you may want to reconsider. <laughs> yeah. Um, whether you are using Wi-Fi or otherwise, the best is to be at home find a quiet place, sit down, settle down, and just attend class. Yeah. If you are driving, not so ideal. Uh, if you are 
like on the go if you watch the the if you watch the class while traveling in the car on the bus in the train uh yeah very likely to get disconnected mm. oh. yeah so Liwei says i will try to understand the principle first yes please understand the principle first huh? yeah. the trouble with modern education or i think students are uh, not so much the education is that we are too eager to just cut to the chase cut to the chase. we are impatient to learn you know yeah we are too impatient we just want to to say oh show me show me show me how to get enlightened now 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 but we don't want to do anything how to get enlightened if we don't want to do anything uh, so again i've mentioned before there's a progression you get city yeah the order of things yeah you, you cannot you, you cannot possibly get um, reap the benefit uh, if we haven't understand the principles oh. so we need to learn the principle first don't be so impatient uh, you ask yourself uh, for you to to become a doctor can you just you know at primary school you just learn about uh, organic uh, or, or living organism about animals then you immediately say teacher uh, can you can you show me how learning this can help me be a doctor? Well, it it can you know it's going to be quite protracted, but how can it how can it be explained, right? Yeah. So uh, certain things you have to do it in a certain order, okay. But I appreciate the question. Oh, uh, it's just that you need to make sure that you get the order correct. Yeah, learn the principle first. Master the principle first. Uh, and that's why in the Heart Sutra, I, I spend so much time on the Laksa itself. Um, because if you don't, if you are not able to understand the principle, the exercises that come across the 10 week course will be very tough. Uh, and if you, for Li Hui or any of the students who are attending this Diamond Sutra class, the next run of the Heart Sutra is coming up end of uh, May so registration is up you all can uh, sign up oh. so <laughs> moving on uh, so this is the, the, the opposite yeah. so you can ask yourself are you in this state that if we don't, don't learn the Buddha Dharma then our mind is like that like what this is what I just mentioned the example oh. so in fact the example my teacher gave by you, you need to have patience uh, to, to go through the text <laughs> yeah. people say something our, our heart move yeah. so maybe someone says something nice pleasing agreeable and then ah, we're happy we're glad or someone says something that is disagreeable yeah uh, antagonistic opposing what we say then we are upset yeah. so this is a direct direct example uh, the application of the Dharma is, uh, is often seen in the non-application that means if you don't learn Dharma what happened um, so this is the impetus of, yeah, that if you learn Dharma this is what will not happen so for Sang so in Buddhism it says that when you give rise to raft, yeah, 愤怒, 
wrath, very extreme anger. Uh, this is under what? This is under the category of the anger defilement or hatred defilement. Uh, so some translation turn they translate as aversion. Basically, you know, repulse towards something. So First part is easy to understand. Second part not so easy. Yeah. The second part says that means when you are delightful over something, you're happy over something. is classified under the greed defilements. This part is not so easy to understand. Because towards delightful matters, we don't want to think of it as being unwholesome. Yeah. When something good happens, pleasant, agreeable, yeah, that brings us joy, why should we think of it as defilements? Defilements we have to re remove, huh? then does it mean that we have to remove what we don't like and what we like or we don't want to accept that? Yeah. So this second part is a bit hard to for us to swallow. Yeah. This part is harder. Hard to accept. Uh, yeah. uh, in brief or in, in summary, uh, if we don't learn Buddha Dharma, our mind moves according to what people say. Yeah. And when it moves, then we are not we cannot be free from defilements. Now instead, yeah. Uh, instead, if we were to do this contemplation, yeah, uh, so this ro, this is a uh, in a way, is uh, a bit more wenian So ro, yeah, has a few meaning. In this case, it's like if, yeah. So if we were to do this contemplation, what kind of contemplation? Yeah, so the word guan, uh, in the uh, Buddhist text. It means contemplation and observation. At the initial stage, it is uh, contemplation. At the later stage, it is observation. Uh, in other words, direct seeing. Oh. So initially, you are just contemplating on it. Yeah. So co contemplate on what? So, the words, uh, the labels that describe the matter, yeah, that which is being described, these two mutually serve as gas towards each other, yeah, dependent on each other, supporting each other, yeah, yeah, subservient to each other. So, independently, don't exist, yeah. Independently cannot exist. Uh, we should go and reflect on this uh, this matter itself, this state of the matter between these two. Label and the event. Uh, label and the matter. Uh, yeah, we should contemplate this way. Then what happened? Yeah. Uh, so here then then we are sp it's split into two parts. Oh. So, si wei is this one, guan cha is observation. Oh. So, but if 
if we use 观 itself, it has these two content, these two meaning. 啊，思维观察这个境界，就会明白一切都是假的。If you are to contemplate over time, then we will see that all phenomena is unreal. Yeah, is 虚妄的 So it's insubstantial. It is false. Yeah, 是毕竟空 That they are ultimate. They are all empty. Yeah, empty as in, uh, one angle is it it tends towards void. Yeah, that means why 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 do we say it tends towards void? Is in other words entropy. Yeah. So now it exists with conditions. Ultimately, conditions change. It don't exist. So ultimately, cease to exist. Yeah. So this is one meaning. Another meaning is that why does it cease to exist? Because it's empty in nature. Yeah. So this being. Being, if we look at being here and we think being Kong, so according to the one of the text starts to learn, this being here is actually referring to all the phenomena. Yeah, that not just this phenomena is empty, that phenomena, but all phenomena. Yeah. That they are all of this ultimate state of emptiness. Oh, 呃，当然加上三摩他的力啊力量思维啊 ，so so that's the first part. Oh, that we will see that everything is unreal. Then here, add one more thing. Add samatha. So what is what is this? Let me write it down. Ah. Samatha, Samatha. So the word Samatha we may be familiar, yeah. The practice that leads to Samadhi. Oh, in other words, the practice that quietens the mind. Hey, what the? Come, somebody zoom so much. Okay. So, uh, when we do contemplation. That's good, but if we add in meditative concentration, ah, then what happened? There's some more power, yeah. So using the power of samatha to contemplate, yeah, contemplate. So 这样思维即是智慧 If you contemplate with the samatha concentration, then that is wisdom. Oh, 就会发生作用 Then it will give rise to Ah, results. 面对境界时，心能不动。啊 ，what is what does it mean by have power? What does it mean by it has function? It has effect. Ah, this is the one. <laughs> 面对境界时，心能不动。That means usually when someone says something, we we react. Now, when we learn the Dharma, and we add in contemplation power with samatha power, yeah, then what happened? Our mind is able to be unmoved, unmoving. Yeah, we don't we don't get affected so easily. Yeah. Ah, 别人呃，别人怎么样破坏心里没有事情。So no matter how people attack, yeah, try to damage us, 
disparage us in our mind we are clear yeah we don't have any problem not just uh, disparage no matter how people praise us inside peaceful like a lake yeah so Shifu, if we listen to Dharma talks and Sen Huan Sing, is it under greed? Tan Fan Nao. Ah, yes, very good question. So we should stop listening to Dharma talk. <laughs> yeah, so this is what I mean by... Uh, we, the, the greed... Let's, let's, let's go along with this. Uh. Let's say when you listen to Dharma talk and you have uh, some joy, some delight. And let's say that it's greed. Uh, I would go as far as to say this is the greed that you don't have to worry about first. Because this kind of greed leads you to towards wholesome dharma and leads you to the ending of all greed. And this kind of greed is the only greed that don't need further action to remove it. Yeah. It doesn't create more problem. Can I understand? Yeah, whereas the greed for worldly things lead to dissatisfaction, lead to suffering. And if let's say, let's say, if you ask yourself, okay, uh, now let's let's do a pie chart, uh, okay, and let's say we draw a pie chart and we have a circle, very good, ink to shape is such a good feature. And then uh, we ask ourselves, how much of it is Dharma, how much of it is worldly things? Yeah. So question is it is it uh, is it fifty fifty? Is it fifty fifty? How many of us, when we listen to Dhamma, it is uh, we are having 50-50 uh, uh, attachment? Uh, how many of, you, of us are in this current state where we are? Is this 50-50? Doesn't quite look like it. Yeah. So we have worldly things here worldly things and we have Dharma fifty percent fifty percent is this the ratio? Uh, this is with reference to Esther C's question okay in the comments mm. Uh, for most of us, I don't think this is the case. I think the percentage is much smaller. Yeah, I think for most of us, maybe twenty-five percent. Is it too high? Hmm. I got a feeling it might be too high. But let's assume that it's twenty-five percent. Okay. So even if we assume that it's twenty-five percent, okay. Uh, oops, hang on. 
even if it's 25 percent uh, we have so much of this to work on the worldly the worldly dharma to work on yeah or rather the worldly things that we are we have attachment and greed towards yeah we should worry about this first Don't worry about Dharma greed for a start. Uh, so now Esther C asks, So Sufu, this is the only greed that we can cling on to. Thank you Sufu. No, 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 don't, don't, don't thank you me first. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> you see, we tend to go into extreme. No? Either we must let go or we cling on to it. Why must we either let go or cling on to it? Uh, don't have to go to extremes right either whatever I see I must either cling on to it or I must let go huh? must it be like that do you cling on to your toothbrush just now I use the toothbrush for the class do you cling on to the toothbrush or do you have to let go of your toothbrush no ma when you need to use it use it when you don't need to use it put it aside lah not. Isn't this what the, the Buddha said also? Just a few weeks ago we went through the simile of the raft. Yeah. And that's from the uh, Majma Nikaya in the in one of the sutta I shared as well. That the Buddha asked the monks that uh, in the in the parable of the man trying to cross the river to escape from danger, uh, the the Dharma is uh, is uh, he used the raft as a, an analogy to the Dharma and that after crossing the river he asked what should be done to the raft so the monk said put it aside lah. so the Buddha said yes indeed in the same way the Dharma is for crossing the river yeah? crossing to the other side from suffering to no suffering yeah? it should not be held on to with attachment as well so we don't have to go from one extreme to the extreme. Okay. Uh, the important thing is why why is there so much preoccupation with what to do with uh, greed for dharma? <coughs> I mean seriously, Esther, Esther. I want you to think about it, and I want all of you to think about it. Okay. How many of you, in all honesty, have even twenty five percent? Seriously. Huh. How many of you have even 25%? Yeah, Esther, stop worrying about clinging as far as sun or dharma is concerned. I'm asking the question, how many of you really have even 25% where, let's say your whole life, uh, your whole life, you're, you are... 25% of your life is preoccupied with Dharma. How many of you? Or is it more or less? 25%. Come on, give, tell Sufu. How many of you have more or less? Huh? Think about it. Yeah, because the thing is, if we, if we are not clear about this, then maybe we are... We, what we are doing is uh, we are actually in a way speculating uh, yeah. we are actually speculating about the Dharma and not actually using the Dharma 
Yeah, don't don't waste time speculating about the Dharma. Lah. Yeah. How about Esther? Esther, is it twenty five percent? Yeah, so let's just do some maths. Huh? Yeah, Esther still no reply. Uh, not, not, not questioning you, okay, but asking you to think about it. Let's, let's pull out a calculator. We have... Um, let's go in terms of hours, okay? Because if you go into minutes, then it's very tedious. So there are 24 hours a day multiplied by um, seven days a week so that's one six eight okay wow so esther says that it's more than 25 around 25 percent or more so let's take a look huh? let's see whether how how true that is so in a week there's a total of 168 hours of which we sleep off around one-third of the time. If you sleep eight hours, then it's one-third. Let's assume it's seven hours, okay? So seven hours in a week, that's 49 hours dedicated to sleeping. Okay, so this is dedicated to sleep. And then, um, Assuming you are working, so we work maybe about 9 to 10 hours, uh, let's say 5 day week. So let's say it's 10 hours, or well, 50 hours. Let's say it's 9. 9 times 5, 45. Okay, five, 45 hours work. If we add them up, uh, if we add them up, then what do we have? Uh, we have 90, 90, 90 what? 94. 49 plus 45 95 94 hours so 94 hours what else do we do what else do we do we eat we uh, we commute now we don't have to commute we do many other things 25% of our whole life um, let's be fair okay let's be fair let's take out sleep from the from this okay let's take this out so 168 minus 49 is 119 okay so effectively we have only 119 hours per week yeah this is wakeful hours okay so 25% of this means multiplied by 0.25 29 hours so this is easier to work okay so um, hang on now. How come? Okay, how come the ink to shit disappear? 
sometimes sometimes can work. <laughs> okay, never mind, roughly. So twenty-five percent is equals to twenty-nine point seven five hours. So so do you all spend twenty-five uh, twenty-nine hours per week on Dharma? Twenty-nine hours. Actually not, not so bad also, not so difficult. That means about four plus hours per day. Uh, Esther, do you spend four plus hours a day? To listen to Dharma talks, read mantra, and meditation. I mean, if you do, then I'm happy for you. But if you are doing so much, then why don't you audit, you know? <laughs> then you don't have to worry about whether it's attachment or not. Yeah. I, um, again, this is not to put down any of you, okay? But uh, we need to have a realistic view of things. Uh, and the reason why I bring this up is because oftentimes when we talk about attachment, about letting go, about greed and so on, inevitably, um, not just Esther, but different students would ask this question, how about Dharma? When we talk about attachment, why, why is the first thing that comes up in our mind about Dharma? Why? The first thing that should come out is the worldly things, isn't it? Which is definitely more than twenty-five, more than the seventy per seventy-five percent. You know, our worldly preoccupation is way more, just in terms of numbers. And on top of that, worldly preoccupation leads us to agitation and suffering. Yeah. So, dharma, dharma leads us towards end of suffering. Yeah. So to me. Um, I, I'm quite uh, how do I put it um, when, I, when I see this, this kind of questions uh, I tend to be quite uh, I have a lot of question mark yeah I have a lot of question mark so Esther you mentioned that maybe 40 to 50 percent 40 to 50 percent means that you spend 8 to 9 hours a day uh, is it? Is it? Are you kidding me? Forty percent times one one nine. That's forty-seven point six divided by seven. Six hours. Six point eight hours. Yeah. Forty percent. Ah, gosh. Forty percent is six point eight hours. Fifty percent is one seven one nine divided by seven eight and a half hours a day. Esther, 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 can you can you reply? 
do you really spend six point eight hours to how many to eight point five hours a day on dharma every day per week <laughs> that's full-time dharma uh, let's wait for her to reply yeah I mean I'm I'm very happy if that's the case okay but to me if that is the case you shouldn't be having this question because if you are spending 8.5 hours a day or even just 6.8 hours a day learning Dharma you would not see as an attachment you would know what it means the the fact that no 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 that's not what I'm asking you're not answering my question you said four to f 40 to 50 percent of the day 40 to 50 percent of your wakeful hours is 6.8 hours to 8.5 hours I'm I'm removing your sleep hours now if I don't remove your sleep hours 50 percent means 12 hours eh? if you are doing four to five hours If you think that it's not enough, then what is your concern? Why do you, why do, you, why are you even asking whether it is greed or not? Yeah. Because if you are spending so much time and really learning it, um, you're very clear what dharma is. You're very clear what dharma does for you. Why would you be having this question of is it greed? Yeah, because like what, what is your anger what, what is the point you are trying to ask actually I don't understand yeah is it your concern or someone's concern is someone else concerned that you are having you are spending too much time yeah I mean there is a short answer to this and it is that uh, we don't call it tanha, we call it ch uh, chanda, which is the wholesome desire. Yeah. But I I rather rather not just give you the answer and just brush you off, because to me, having such a question, is, it 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 underlines that there is some wrong wrong thinking about, the wrong way of relating to the dharma. Yeah. Because if you are learning four to five hours a day, every day, why, why would you be thinking of whether Dhamma, learning Dharma is greed? Because you, you, you see, uh, even if it's four to five hours a day, that is 25%. Why are you not looking at the, the rest of 75% and being concerned about that? We will learn Dharma to deal with the 75% of the problem first. Because that's the larger part, Puma. So I, I don't know. Yeah, but maybe I'm missing something. That's why Sifu we want to know if this is great. <laughs> uh, well if 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 all you want to know is whether this is great, I will say no, it's not great. <laughs> does it does it answer your question? Does it satisfy you? Because the fact that you have this question, it, it just feels very odd. Yeah. And if you are spending four to five hours, why don't you just go and ordain and become a nun? 
yeah but even more importantly let me ask all of you this question okay including Esther including everybody when you learn Dharma you can call it greed, call it chanda, call it whatever you want to call it, call it desire if you will. Does it lead you, cause you suffering? Versus your pursuit of worldly things. Which one causes you suffering, Esther? Uh, well, so think about it first. Um, because time and again, I, I, I see students asking this question and uh, I feel that the premise of the question itself is a bit flawed yeah. because the focus itself is off the purpose of the Dharma is to, to deal with our attachment our, to worldly things our, our, you know, that leads to suffering yeah. also uh, Esther which one leads to suffering? you spending 4-5 to five hours learning Dharma does that lead to suffering? or the worldly pursuits okay uh, and for the rest of you if you are willing to spend 7 hours, 8 hours a day learning Dharma then you know I mean otherwise like the fact that you have this kind of question while spending so much time then there's a bit of mm, disconnect anyway 前面说金刚波若,关一切法空,这是一个法门 yeah, So earlier, we talked about the, uh, the unbreakable, the diamond, uh, the diamond uh, wisdom yeah. So, 关一切法空 and contemplation of all things being empty of in nature yeah, 这是一个法门, so this is one uh, Dharma teaching oh. Uh, Chloe says, uh, I guess for some people, their pursuit for Dharma causes some suffering because it conflicts with what their family members want. Maybe some of their family members want more of their time. Yeah. Well, um, I'm not sure whether you can say that, that, that it is purely the pursuit of Dharma that causes suffering. Uh, but yes, I agree with you that in some cases, when it's not properly balanced, yeah, uh, it does create some conflict, and it has to do with that. If you are in a family, you already committed before you learn dharma. You already committed to certain roles and responsibilities, and halfway through you learn dharma, and then you have a change of mind and you want to reprioritize. So of course, those who uh, those who were part of this commitment would would feel short change, isn't it? Yeah. Or for that matter, let's say, uh, um, I I think well that there were cases where um, some some lay followers, yeah, some lay Buddhists, not not my student. I, I don't know whether there are any of my students who are like that. Uh, but we caution students not to do that. Where the 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 students um, how do I call it end up neglecting their their duties that means if their father or mother they neglect their duties as father or mother uh, there are even those who are not married and they just decided I don't want to work I want to practice full time 
Um, I think it's wonderful that people want to practice full time, but if you want to practice full time, ordain. Don't practice full time as a lay person. It's um, yeah. Because if you practice full time, then who is supposed to? So are you still working? If you're practicing full time, then you're not working. So I've heard of individuals who, because they want to practice full time, they they just like throw it upon their family members to to support them. But if your family members are willing, okay, that's your merit. But if they are not, then you are creating conflict. And further, uh, as a lay person, you do have certain roles and responsibilities, especially if you are married. Yeah. So unless you are willing to say, I want to end the married life, yeah, or I don't want to, I will not start a married life, and then go and practice full time. Yeah. In some cases, it is where the couples together they decide they want to practice together then no problem yeah so the the situation that chloe mentioned is true yeah and there are cases where sometimes certain students get so like they, they experience so much joy and fervor for the dharma um, but they for, forget that they still have their roles and responsibilities to fulfill in the Sutta, the Buddha explicitly highlighted the roles and responsibilities of lay people. He don't say that, oh, lay people, once you learn Dharma, you can neglect your family, don't care about your kids and, and your husband or wife, you know, neglect your job, you know, get fired, whatever. No. If you want to do that, can. Put it aside clearly or then. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the, the so the trouble is not simply the pursuit of dharma, but the the in a way hard to find the balance uh, for some people. So because there's no proper balance, and perhaps no communication, yeah, a lot of co- factors, uh, and so family members are not happy. Yeah, but the last thing I want to add on to what Chloe mentioned that uh, some loved ones may want more of their time. We also have to ask ourselves, um, is what we are pursuing correct or not? Yeah. Uh, because I also have students who say that, oh, they cannot attend classes anymore, or they cannot attend every week, or they, they and, and it's just once a week, it's not like every day. No? And there are students who, as a result, say that, oh, they, they may, they are afraid, they cannot sign up for the class because the husband is not happy, the mother is not happy. There's one case where, this student of mine is in his in her fifties, and um, have to have to hide the fact that she's attending dharma class. Why? Because her mother is not happy. Um, maybe it's just me. Uh. To me, especially when you have you are already an adult, and especially when what you are pursuing is something wholesome. If our family members simply because they don't like it and they oppose it we shouldn't then let that um, change our decision i mean people have have uh, fallen through with their families over more trivial things so why should the choice of pursuit of dharma become a problem yeah because so when we look at it and say pursuit of dharma causes suffering we are ignoring the fact that it is because the family members 
have a difference in needs and insist, then there's a conflict, ma. You know what I mean? It's not as though the 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 individual is going out to do something bad, right? Like if you change pursuit of dharma with something else, okay? Let's say someone uh, go out to do volunteer work, yeah. It doesn't have to be extreme, you know. It doesn't have to be eight hours a day. Weekend, you go and do volunteer work, half a day gone. Your family members are also not happy, ma. So can we say that oh, the per- the the pursuit of doing dharma work or, or doing volunteer work causes suffering? We wouldn't think in that way, isn't it? We wouldn't think that doing volunteer work causes suffering. We would think that oh, because of the 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 mismatch in needs and wants between the family members and this individual, uh, it creates suffering. We wouldn't think doing social work or doing volunteer work itself causes suffering. Yeah, we wouldn't think in that way. So why is it that when people pursue Dharma, then we think it's Dharma that's the problem? Uh, doesn't have to be that way. Lah. Yeah. We have to realize that there are many conditions. Part of conditions is the family members uh, who, for various reasons, yeah, one of the reasons is, you know, time is time. 24 hours is 24 hours. You spend X hours on Dharma, then X hours lesser with your family. Yeah. So, uh, Esther replied, 4 to 5 hours is not suffering. So, you know, so if it's not suffering, then that shouldn't be the first thing you are concerned about. What? Why, why, why are you concerned whether it's greed or not greed or whatever? You know what I mean? <laughs> of all the things in your life, the first thing that you mentioned is whether learning Dharma is greed. Like, well, why, why, why does that come up? I'm just curious about, you know, the, the background of this. Yeah, because it doesn't feel quite right. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah. Yes, most agree with what Chloe said. Uh, first thing, we need to be clear about what we want. And then secondly, uh, we need to be honest and clear with our family members also. And also have compassion towards them. And if I may add, to slowly let them ease them into the change. You know, you cannot like, this week, or oh, just went on a, on a cruise with them, uh, have, have karaoke, whatever, enjoyment. Then, after after Sunday, Monday come Monday, uh, from today onward, I'm observing eight precepts for life. Huh? <laughs> you know what I mean? Then your family members like, what? So I'm not gonna have dinner ever. Uh, this, I heard eight precepts is one day. No, no, I'm doing it for life every day. I think if we do it that way, then of course people will feel a bit concerned, uh, yeah, and be very adversely affected. Yeah. So uh, people worry we go for room more. Uh, yes. Uh, there are people who are concerned about that. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, right? There are so many people like myself who give up the corporate uh, corporate life and then become a monk. By any standard, it seems like a bit off right yeah but so we need to be clear about what we are doing first 
and what we can do is communicate to them so that they can understand uh, but we, are, we must also contend with the fact that not everybody uh, will agree with this path yeah. as I said people are happy to be free of anger but greed not everybody wants to remove so when people start to learn Dharma family members are happy because we have better temper ma. our anger is removed and so on and so forth but as we learn more we realize that greed has to be removed and this is where it becomes painful for them because greed is enjoyable for both, both parties we greed together ma. we desire together ma. you know but as we practice more and we cut this off then our family members start to feel the pain yeah but it's pain because they still have desire not that dharma itself is painful not that dharma itself is suffering it's that they are not getting their, their dose, dosage of desire anymore that's why they are suffering yeah but does it mean that then we should just say okay let me learn, learn less dharma let me not learn dharma let me go back to uh, to, to pursue worldly things with my family uh, that's your choice I, I can't tell you whether that's what you should do or not uh, if you ask me the higher path is pursuit of the Dharma yeah. uh, but you've got to ask yourself what is your stand yeah, because ultimately you are the one who is facing them and uh, besides knowing that you want to learn Dharma you have to also ask yourself what is the role that you want to play if you want to remain as a lay person then you have to contend that you know uh, you have to you cannot simply prioritize Dharma 100% and then your family just put aside yeah uh, that's why in class I always say ah, your lay people you are so brave you know want to learn Dharma as a lay person not easy yeah not easy uh, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that um, Esther and uh, I presume your family your, uh, to, together you are learning that you are able to put four to five hours a day every day I'm not talking about a week uh. don't, don't be mistaken the four to five hours calculation is based on every day that every day you put in four to five hours uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that and if you continue doing that at some point you will, you will, your, your, your way of looking at things will change because there's no way if you keep on learning Dharma and apply it to uh, your interaction with, with uh, people, with things, with events apply the teachings day to day uh, you, you will definitely start to see a different picture yeah a different picture that is free from our usual societal conditioning the conditioning that starts from young the, the conditioning that having more is happiness yeah that uh, grasping leads to happiness this is the worldly conditioning yeah so uh, I hope everybody can keep this in mind oh, that uh, 
the Dhamma should not br bring suffering. Yeah, but don't take my word for it. Uh, examine if it, if it leads to conflict, you have to examine why. Oh. Uh, but let's finish up this paragraph before we wrap up for the day. Uh, okay, so Rulai Wu So this is the phrase that we have been going through. Yeah, so the words that is expressing the truth, yeah, and the conceptual truth that is being expressed, both are just gas to each other. They are all empty in nature, insubstantial. So this is another Dhamma dog. So the earlier one is the Madhimika, this is the Yugachara angle. Both are pointing towards emptiness but slightly different angle. One is directly empty of self-nature. The other one is through uh, first establishing that everything we perceive is all just words, concepts. And words and concepts and that which is expressed, both are gas to each other and hence insubstantial. Oh, so both ultimately leads to non-craving attachment, non-deluded uh, uh, mind and non-suffering. So these So both angles ultimately reveal that the ultimate reality is beyond words. Yeah. So uh, manifesting the Dhamma, uh, that is beyond words. So, so the, the Buddha uses the uh, So uses the Dhamma which is beyond words to teach us. Yeah. So if we were to contem uh, deeply uh, contemplate and observe, then what happened? Then we can obtain great benefit from it. Yeah. So um, I want to thank uh, Li Hui, uh, Chloe, and Esther for your input, for your sharing of your thoughts. Uh, don't be be, be disheartened. Uh. Sometimes uh, when you when you learn Dharma and you may meet some obstacles. Yeah. Uh, the various masters often share uh, our habitual tendencies, worldly pursuits, so easy. The supramundane path is so it goes against the flow of samsara. So tend to meet obstacles. Now, don't be, don't don't be mis, uh, disheartened. No? And again, very happy to hear that um, that Esther C is uh, spending four to five hours a day, yeah, on the Dharma. Sadu sadu sadu, yeah. But spend that time to look at the remaining seventy-five percent of your life. Yeah, the part that leads to suffering, that gives rise to suffering. Oh, don't worry so much about, oh, learn Dhamma, is it a creed? Is it defilement? Yeah. And again, I want to highlight the reason why I'm, I, I'm somewhat perplexed by such questions is, what's the implication? 
if we say it's greed then does it mean that you're, you want to drop it isn't it yeah uh, so um, yeah and if you go down that path then you're actually having wrong views uh, then you should be dropping Dharma the first thing you should be concerned about is this worldly pursuits yeah it is the same as when you take Panadol or no not Panadol let's say you take certain uh, medicine okay you have an illness so you take medicine but the, the medicine itself may have side effect or the medicine itself uh, all medicine anything that you ingest needs to be processed by the body so if, it's, if it needs to be processed by the body it will uh, cause a load on the body yeah, the organs and in particular like uh, liver kidney yeah so uh, does it mean that oh because it has an impact on the liver and kidney so we don't take medicine well the, the first thing you are trying to solve is your illness so taking the medicine solve the illness problem and once you finish you don't have to take medicine and you also don't have the kidney liver problem <laughs> okay mm. Yen